my absolute pleasure to introduce one of my favorite people, Tanisha Tyler, um, who is a PhD student at Fuller Seminary and a spoken word artist, a social justice activist, um, and all around very cool person to preach for us today while Ryan's gone. Um, so this is Tamisha, and Ryan Moore is going to read our, um, our text before pre Tamisha preaches. So here we go. So our text this morning is from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her, her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came, who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you were always that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of the Lord. Jesse and the other Ryan in his absence for inviting me here. Um, it's really great to be with you guys this morning. Um, will you pray with me? To the God who waits for us to reach the end of ourselves, who enters into our nothingness and breathes life, we thank you. We don't always understand your ways or your timing, but we are grateful that you have a power that is not intimidated by our limits or our lack of faith. As we enter into this story this morning, allow us to see your presence in our midst so that we may fully receive the resurrection life that you bring to us. Amen. I want to tell you a story about the day that I died. It wasn't a literal death by any means, but one that led to thoughts and contemplations of what a literal death would look like, even if by my own hand. I was a young college student who at that point was enduring an on-again, off-again relationship with a man who was an extreme narcissist and emotionally abusive. On the night we reached the end of things, his last words to me were, you don't. Those words devastated me. I will never forget how broken I was. 
how those words were both a stripping and a confirmation of the end of the two years that I dwelled in that man's shadow. I remember sitting in the park next to my dorm room one night, deciding if I wanted to write a journal entry or a suicide note, because I had so absorbed his confirmation of my non-existence that I thought the only way to escape his words were to accept them and the fate that they implied. I remember my attempts to write myself into this non-existence. I remember the tears, the denouncement of dreams and hopes and plans that I had for myself. I remember ending that journal entry with the words, there is no more Tanisha Tyler. There is only nothing. A few days later, a funny thing happened. I was sitting in my dorm room watching TV when a commercial came on and I saw a familiar face. At this point, I had been without a church community for some time. Yet, the face on the screen was an old friend from a church I used to visit. It made me think of all of those old friends that I had left. The very next day, surprisingly, I received an email from that same church to attend a special service that they had with a guest preacher. I went to that service and shortly thereafter rejoined that community. It was exactly what I needed in that moment, and it's partly the reason that I stand here before you today. But I often look back at that moment in the park. I look back at my own resolve and acceptance of those words spoken so long ago. My own determination to fall into this non-existence, this death as it were. I look back at that moment and I often wonder what God was doing then. What was it about that particular moment that was a turning point? It is this very question that we encounter in the story of Lazarus. Here we find that Jesus has received word that his friend is ill, even to the point of death. Though Jesus knew that returning to the place where some would try to stone him would be dangerous, he, being the good shepherd who risked his life for the sheep, decided to take the risk and visit his friend. This sounds pretty noble, right? Jesus living into his own words by going to this hostile place in order to see and hopefully heal his sick friend. Except at this point, Lazarus is already dead. And what's worse, Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick and waited days to visit, saying that his illness isn't unto death, but rather for the glory of God. It was as if Jesus was waiting for Lazarus to die to make his move. Like at this point, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm just like, really, Jesus? I have several moments when I do at this point, I was like, really, Jesus? You're going to wait till the guy is dead to go visit him? That's kind of kind of not right. He's dead and stinky. Yes, sir. But we, the readers and the disciples alike, are left scratching our heads trying to figure out what could possibly be done in the face of something so final. Yet, as we so often do in the face of Jesus' resolve, we stumble along behind him, our naive curiosity keeping us in step. We arrive to find Martha with the words that we all are thinking. If you had only come sooner, my brother would not have died. If you had only come, we would not have had to endure something so final. Yet even in the midst of such a heart-wrenching finality, Martha's faith reaches past this and declares that God will give to Jesus whatever he asks. 
What's interesting about this is that Jesus doesn't ask a question. He gives a declaration and he says, your brother will rise again. But Martha has heard all the stories about resurrection in the last days. She knows that she'll see her brother in the by and by, yada, yada, yada. But she has this resolve as well. Here, Jesus does something that's very interesting, and it is also something that we see throughout the book of John. He does not tell Martha that he has come to give Lazarus resurrection or to raise him from the dead, but that he himself is resurrection. This moment, then, is not about what Jesus has come to bring, but who Jesus is, and in his very being dwells a permission to offer the things of God to the people of God. He gives bread because he is the bread of life. He gives light because he is the very light of the world. And in this way, he can raise the dead to life because he is the resurrection, not just in the final chapter at the end of this biblical narrative, but even in our present moments of finality. Jesus then calls Mary to meet him. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, the one who will be forever remembered as preparing Jesus for his own burial. Yet even she too is unable to reconcile the timing of Jesus with the person of Jesus, and she asks the same question. If you had only been here, my brother would not Jesus sees her grief. He sees the grief of their community. And with this, he comes to the tomb. It has been four days, which is a number that indicated a very end of finality of death for that community. He sees their tears. He feels their pain as his own, and he weeps with them. We are told that even the community interpreted the timing of Jesus with an inability to act, saying, well, wasn't it the guy that just healed the blind man that had been born blind? Like, surely he could have healed this man in time. But we, being privy to the conversation with Martha, know that Jesus is not the one who only restores aspects of our broken lives to wholeness. He restores life itself. And so Jesus calls them to roll away the stone. He prays, and again, watch this, not, he doesn't do what Martha says about asking, but he makes another declaration and says, and gives thanks to God for what God has already done. It is in that that Jesus is the life that restored because of he, who he is, not because of what he has or what he has access to. And so, in this way, he calls Lazarus to come back from the dead to the life of the living. It is in this moment that we see that the finality that was so deeply felt did not have the last word. So what does this mean for us, right? This power of Jesus that pushes beyond the endpoints of our lives, that enters into our finality and stretches time just a little bit further? What does this mean for a young girl who reached the end of herself? Where was God in that moment in that park so long ago. In the nothingness that was just beyond the non-existence that I wrote myself into. Jesus, if you had only come a few days later, I would not have been so brokenhearted. If you had only come before the situation that led me into depression. 
If you had only come moments before the car accident or the diagnosis or the attack or the loss of the job, if you had only been there a moment sooner, the sisters say, our brother would not have died. And like Mary and Martha, we grieve the finality of our circumstances. We embrace loss and we look for Jesus in its midst. But this story tells us that the timing of Jesus did not, does not dilute the presence of his significance or the significance of his presence. Jesus enters into the midst of our deepest grief and he grieves with us. He weeps with us. He enters into our nothingness, into our darkness, into our death and says that you may not see anything in this moment, but I am an expert in creating something out of nothing in speaking life in the midst of darkness and in calling life out of death. And the life that I give to you is my very self because I am the resurrection. You know, my teachers tell me not to call this scene in John a resurrection because we all know Lazarus dies again. But it often made me wonder what it meant for Lazarus to re-enter a community and life as a man who was raised from the dead. What did it mean for him to have his life back? What did it mean for his sisters to have their brother? For a community to see this miracle and to now be able to see him over and over again in a new way? What does it mean to have your life given back to you after death? And how does that change the way in which you live? In this way, I think of friends of mine who work their way back into their communities after jail sentences that take most of their life from them, or friends who through organ transplants literally have their lives restored to them, or when diagnosis of one friend with stage four neck cancer goes back into remission and he has his life given back to him. I too wonder about my own situation. How that turning point allowed me to see that God works best when I reached the very end of myself. I was able to use that testimony as a reference point for all the ways that God was breathing life into the moments I declared as final, those moments I had written myself off. In this way, God is teaching us and me what it meant to practice resurrection. So I'm not sure where you find yourself in this story. Maybe you've reached the end of yourself and you're asking God where God was when you needed him. Maybe you are struggling to understand God's presence in the midst of the final moment. Maybe you have been one that has received and witnessed the gift of life beyond an end point or a period in your story. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus is attentive to us in each of these steps, coming to meet us weeping and grieving with us, and yes, even calling us out of our final moments and into new life. And so the hope of the final restoration resonates within us. Know that our God is one who is constantly calling us forth, a thousand times if he has to, because he is the resurrection, and in him we always find new life. Pray with me.
to the God who pushes beyond the endpoints of our lives, who enters into our finality and stretches time just a little bit further, we thank you. We do not always understand the ways of your grace. Sometimes we are tired and broken and we feel as if we're waiting in the silence to hear from you. Speak to us. Breathe life into us. Reach into the depths of our death moments and call out to us to come and dwell among the living. It is in you that we place our hope. It is in you that we rise. Amen. You guys can stand with me. We're going to sing one more song. You're broken down and tired Living life on a movie go round And you can't find the I see it in you, so we're gonna walk it out. Ooh, mountains. We're gonna walk it out. Ooh, mountains. And I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day. I promise to take the world to its feet. 